Hey everybody and welcome to this week's show. Uh, tonight Ed and I are going to chat about the 1998 movie Blade. This for me is the start of the big superhero revival. Yes we'd had Superman, yes we'd had Batman before but they kind of just stayed within themselves whereas Blade all of a sudden made people realise, oh, we can do something with these these sort of characters. Two years later, you had X-Men, and then it just went crazy from then on. You had the X-Men sequels, you had Blade sequels, you had Spider-Man, you had the Dark Knight trilogy. Then you start to get really cooking with gas after that because you've got the expansive Marvel Cinematic Universe. Some people will like it, some people won't. I'm a massive Marvel fan, so... This for me is point zero. I do love the old DC stuff. I love the original Batman. I love Batman Returns. I kind of accept Batman Forever for what it is. And the awesomeness that is Batman and Robin, the best Batman film ever made. I think we should do a show about (laughs) Batman and Robin, mate. And the reason why I think we should do a show about Batman and Robin is because we need to do a pun count of Arnie... Because I swear, none of his lines are anything but puns. <laughs> it's very true. Just He's just pure puns. Ice to see you. Anyway, we're going to watch Blade, which also, fact fans, was an 18 in the UK. So, and it was a hit. So it just goes to show you, if the material's right, and the story is aimed at the right audience then you will have a hit movie. It doesn't matter about the rating. Now, that's not to say I think that all superhero movies should be 18 or R or NC-17 or whatever the rating is. What I think is is that you choose characters that suit the material. So, for example, if Marvel or DC are going to go down a horror route, they shouldn't be afraid to go for that higher rating. If they want to do Constantine properly then they should do Constantine and super and the you know the uh, Justice League Dark they should do it as a 15 and not be afraid of it i know they tried it recently with suicide squad it didn't work properly in my opinion i thought well, the movie was deeply flawed not talking about that now but i do think that justice league dark would be sensationally cool if done properly and if given to the right director i personally would like to see Guillermo del Toro I know he's not available to do it now. I think uh, Doug Lyman, who was going to direct uh, Gambit, has jumped from Gambit to uh, Justice League Dark. So I think there's opportunities there because the horror genre fits that more extreme rating. It doesn't mean it has to be gory or Saw-esque, but something along those lines. Anyway, I'll stop jibber-jabbering on about other stuff. We'll just talk about Blade. We'll bring all the other usual sorts of conversation in. We'll do our IMDb where does this film go from here as per normal but without further ado so I think you and I went to the Odeon in Cheltenham to, to see this, this movie yes we did it was a late it was quite a late show it was. as well 1998 so we were both at university I remember you saying I've seen this trailer I think you want to go. I think we should go see this movie. I don't know anything. I didn't know 
anything about Blade at all. I'd not really read much about him. I might have come across him and not really thought much about him as a comic book character before. Um, I think that's the thing with a lot of comic book characters. I think in some respects when you look at what you've got, I mean obviously it's like you said, DC, they've got Batman, got Superman and now Marvel, they're doing like you said, the Avengers. But I think there are some characters that aren't quite as well known that would make and do make great movies. I mean, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. Not Probably not many people knew about them as much as they did the other yeah. Marvel thing. But it was a hit film. And I think it was because people hadn't seen it before. So they didn't... Because I think that's where the only trouble comes with any comic adaptation of a film. People have in their minds what it should be like and if they've read the material they're expecting something. And they're thinking, hang on a minute, that didn't happen in the comics or that's, oh I wouldn't have done that. But really and truthfully I think, like you and I, we do do that but nine times out of ten we enjoy a movie for what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that that rule that you've just said applies for the AAA characters, like you just said. You think about Batman, you've probably read a lot of Batman. You've probably read Superman. You've got an idea about what these characters do. It's the same with Marvel. You have an idea about Spider-Man. But when Iron Man came through... You had an idea about who Tony Stark was, but unless you really, really read the material, most people didn't have a clue. And although there's a lot of similarities between the two, what you're really watching is two hours of Robert Downey Jr. being sarcastic and sassy as hell. And it's brilliant. So different as well to what was going on at the same time. Because in 2008, probably you could argue that for both DC and Marvel, it was one of the best years ever for comic book movies because you had The Dark Knight and Iron Man released in the same year. Then you've got that whole movie of The Dark Knight and then you've got seven-eighths, I'd say, of Iron Man is really, really good. The end conflict is a little (laughs) bit bonkers but it's got that Easter egg at the end that just totally blows your mind. But anyway, we've got Blade here and the half-man, half-vampire, the Daywalker. See, for me, that's... Like we've discussed when we were watching, like, Lost Boys and stuff. That's what I quite like about Blade, in a way. Because you look at him, you've got vampires, they can't go out in sunlight. I mean, they can they can wear some suntan lotion yeah. or something to mask it, but they do get burned. But Blade can walk in the daylight. And it's clever the way it's done, because obviously his mother's bit by a vampire 
while she's pregnant with Blake. So you could understand yeah. where the transition comes from. Not just, well, we'll just make it that he can, he's different. But <clears throat> this opening sequence, though, is phenomenally clever. Because you end up being this guy who's taken into this underground club, which is actually nothing more than a abattoir where all the vampires are having a night out. And then next thing you know, they're sprayed with blood from the ceiling, as we're just about to see. It's called a bloodbath. So it's a clever way to introduce vampires in a non-traditional sense. I think what's sort of cool about it as well. I mean, it looks incredibly gory, people covered in blood. But you could imagine something like that. Because, I mean, it is virtually like an illegal rape. Yeah. Lots and lots of fast cuts from different angles. But this is where you could think of seeing if you wanted to meld or join characters together that have a natural connection, you could bring Ghost Rider into this and he would fit naturally. And I'm not talking about the bonkers Nicolas Cage version. And also Morbius the Living Vampire as well, who's another interesting character to bring into it. And they're all afraid because his bleed. I think it's a cool way to introduce your character as well. Yeah. Because it is almost. For me, in a little way, it's almost like Vader. You know, he just walks through the door, he's just there, and you look at him, and you know. This is somebody you don't want to mess with. <laughs> oh, it's a quality state shotgun. <laughs> so it's important to sort of illustrate in this one. Silver works and kills vampires. And when it kills them, they disintegrate. So that stakes work as well, but they're silver stakes. And then of course Blade's got his own super cool weapon in his sword. And then the classic one, Sunlight Works, fire. What I like about them is though, they're animalistic in nature, the vampires, they're not mystic. Mm. What I don't get about some of these guys is they've just seen Blade come in fearlessly against like <laughs> 500 people and then three or four of them think they can take him on. <clears throat> Thank you. 
I love this bit as well. <laughs> the blade celebration with a fist bump. No, don't do that. So what I quite like as well, when you look at some of the stuff that came before, yeah, the costumes were very, unfortunately, you know, poor, because obviously the materials they got, the things that they got to work with back then, it was difficult to create anything yeah. that was, you could actually work in. We got rubber suits <coughs> most yeah. of the time, didn't you? But with Blade, he is, like you said, he's probably the poster boy not only in movies, but for the look as well. Because, I mean, when you look at Wesley Snipes as Blade, he looks like he's meant to be Blade. Oh, yeah, big time. That nobody else could play him. Oh, definitely, uh, Don't need no time off now, because he's dead. <laughs> Apparently, Whistler, who is Blade's um, mentor, was created for Blade when he appeared in the 1994 Spider-Man cartoon. He was liked so much by Marvel's execs that they adopted him into the Marvel Universe. I think sometimes you get that, though, don't you? They, yeah. they bring in a character just for like a bit part, but he's just loved by everybody. It was like Coulson, that's how Coulson came in. He wasn't a mile, he didn't exist before Iron Man. And he just proved to be really popular. But you think it fit quite well in New Orleans because it has got that quite mystic yeah. sort of vibe to it. So a lot of voodoo and witchcraft and things like that. Apparently David Fincher was due to direct this as well. Ladies love Cool James. LL Cool J was the original choice for Blade. See, I don't think it would have worked with him either. I think he's good in... Just the roles that he plays just it's like I said Snipes has just got that because for me he's not overly big but he's got a martial arts background so yeah when he does a lot of the stuff it's just fluid
Now it'd be good if New Line had the rights to do this, but the original cut, well, the first cut of the film is 104 minutes long, but it tested disastrously. And loads and loads of edits and reshoots were implemented, and it sort of delayed release for over a year. Because I think Wesley Snipes' um, interpretation of Blade is the version they use the Marvel Ultimate Universe, which doesn't exactly look like Wesley Snipes, but very, very close. And also, as you know very, very well, Blade is, or there's a character looking like Blade in Tekken. Yes. <laughs> Judson Scott, yes, he is in <coughs> He's uncredited, but he is the right hand man of Khan. Yes. In Star Trek Two. And you recognised him. My mind thinking, where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? I also like looking at these lists of movies to see if there's anybody who has become like super famous afterwards. Angry man. Essence <clears throat> of garlic. But you didn't say anything about it, did you? <laughs> no, because I need you to keep coming back and bringing me stolen goods. Well, are, are they stolen or are they prizes from the dead vampires that Blade yes. has slaughtered? No way about it. If he if he killed people to get them, even if they're vampires, he he stole them. Right. He, he could have, he could have left them there. You know, he didn't have to take them. But I suppose in a warrior's world, it's the spoils of war. Yeah. Fair dues. So I always find it interesting when they have stairs that don't seem to go anywhere. Just up to an empty. Guns. 
lots and lots of guns. So just don't touch the sword, because that's a very bad idea. Okay, name and shame. So, first film you ever wrote? Death Warrant Van Damme. <laughs> the death of the Sandman in the prison basement fire thing is absolutely hilarious, particularly when Van Damme kicks him into the furnace and then he comes charging out while he's still on fire. Yes. Mm. Um, Kickboxer 2, The Road Back. Written by David Escoya. Demonic Toys. Demonic Toys, wicked. The Substitute. Is that the one with Tom Berenger? No, this is a TV movie. TV movie, yeah. So I just clicked on it, so let's see what's actually said in the synopsis. I mean, I buy Whistler for holding uh, Blade's hand at that point, but surely you would have thought someone of Blade's strength would have literally crushed his fingers. Wicked, he wrote it under a pseudonym. Um, now this one stars... <gasps> Amazing! Mark Wahlberg's in it. <laughs> Massive fire hazard. Amanda Donahoe. Dalton James, Natasha Gregson, Wagner, and Marky Mark as Westerberg. <laughs> the substitute. She loves her students to death. <laughs> wicked. Totally wicked. Next on his next on his list. As a writer. Dollman versus Demonic Toys. <laughs> That's more of his characters rather than what he actually wrote. Arcade, never heard of it. The Puppet Masters. Enemy, TV movie. Crow, City of Angels. Perversions of Science. He wrote an episode for a TV show. He wrote the TV movie Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. starring David Hasselhoff. Wicked. <laughs> Then he also wrote Blade. Then he also wrote the exceptional sci-fi movie Dark City. I love that movie. Then he wrote an episode of a TV series called Freaky Links. Never heard of that. Blade 2. Zigzag. I've not heard of that. He wrote Blade Trinity. We won't hold that against him. Um, then he wrote the story but not the screenplay for Batman Begins. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Batman Gotham Knight. He wrote the story, but not the screenplay for The Dark Knight. He wrote the screenplay for Jumper. He wrote the screenplay for The Unborn. Holy cow. His Demonic Toys series carries on. Demonic Toys Personal Demons. Uh, he wrote... Call of Duty Black Ops. Flash Forward, the TV series. He was a creator. 
He wrote the story to Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. He should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> Devil Dolls. That He wrote the story to The Dark Knight Rises, but not the screenplay. Uh, he wrote the story to Man of Steel. Uh, he was the creator of the very short-lived Constantine TV series. Da Vinci's Demons, he was a series creator for that. And then he wrote Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I'd say that moves, that's a very much a record. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I fall into the category. I mean, I know, like Constantine, the TV series. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what it was about. It. I liked the guy who played Constantine. I thought he did a brilliant job. I thought it got humour in it. I thought, in a way, I, I think it. It started weak. Like, it was in the reverse of a lot of TV shows. It started a little bit weak. But once it started getting going, I found it exceptionally good. Yeah. But it's not like, um, and when it finished, it finished on a cliffhanger. And it was just, well, it's not like a major cliffhanger. It was, and it, like a plot twist. So you knew something had happened and you just wanted to go, where's it going to go from here? Canned, and I felt I felt sorry for them because I think they put a lot of good work into it. And um, like I said, I was talking to somebody about the thing I like about it. So I think it's only like about thirteen episodes, thirteen sixteen episodes. Yeah. The best thing about doing TV series like that keeps the story moving. Yeah. When you got twenty four, twenty six episodes, it just drags. A bit too much. I'd like to keep that pace. That's just a bad echo. The one thing that's not very clear is it doesn't appear to be a distinct advantage by being a human who's turned into a vampire or being born a vampire. Yeah, because you'd have thought, like a first gen or an original gen would be way more powerful. powerful yeah For a doctor, she lives in a bit of a skanky part of town, doesn't she? You'd have thought there were uh, tattoos that distinguish them as vampire familiars would be a lot more discreet than slap bang in the middle of their necks, easily spotable. So you've got the woman who wears her hair up and the dude 
who has, <laughs> doesn't have a proper collar on his jacket. See, that's the thing for me. So I know, I know, lone female. It's the first thing. Those two people following me, I'd have just turn around and I'd have bust them in the chops. Right or wrong reason, they got off that lift after you, so. So I thought one thing I do like about Blade, he's just so matter of fact, you use me, yeah, and get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, I've got a job to do. <laughs> See, he robbed that dude. Yeah. Well. But at least he gave him back when yeah. he realised it wasn't worth anything. I love it. They all part and then he puts his gun away. Relax. We're all fine. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> this is real. I love the Japanese for all the things they do. Well, they do like some weird stuff. Oh yeah. Seeing women dressed as schoolgirls singing in extremely high-pitched voices. See, that's one thing I like about his character as well. It's not all this fancy five-minute fights. He takes them out as quick as he possibly can. Well, it's just a waste. He, if you take it on numbers, that's all you can do, isn't it? I mean, I was watching a video online the other day, and it was basically talking about how um, <clears throat> fight sequences have evolved, but the true innovator of fight sequences was Bruce Lee, because Bruce Lee said, look, I can set up where I fight 50, 100 men. But in reality, I'm only, I can only ever take on one at a time, and I can only ever be attacked by one at a time. And it's just how we choreograph around it that makes the fight interesting. And then it went all the way through, and it's the same principle of what you just said there, really. You have lots and lots of guys coming after him, but he's always going to be one-on-one. -on -one yeah. Because visually, that's much more interesting. Also, I think what's quite good is, it's like you said there, transition so if you look at a room and you've got six guys there you scoped out which ones are the major threat so you're going to take out one to start with and then it's your progression of how you move through it it's like well i've taken that guy but i need to distance myself from that one so i need to create some space how am i going to create that space and move around so i'm not just jumped on by all five and yeah. pummeled. It's like the way um, Reacher deals with people in Jack Reacher, isn't it? Yeah. This for you. I reckon if I take out the two main ones, the other two are just going to run away. Really? You're that sure? Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> One leg break later, game over.
now there's no home computer at the time available with that kind of graphical interface for the best one in the world at Mac, but couldn't do that. You got quality. I mean, you've got some quality in like the electronic bed, yeah. coffin type thing. And you got really rubbish graphics on your computer. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think as well, when you watch this a little bit, yeah. you can see where 30 Days of Night got some of its cinematography from. Yeah, that's a good vampire film as well. <laughs> it's one whole lot of women. He's actually played by a dude. <laughs> I still don't understand how Pearl got to be the size that Pearl is. <laughs> Spirits of the Twelve and Awaken the Blood God. <laughs> My god, that glass must be strong. It's what I quite like as well. There's a whole underbelly. If you don't learn to be different and more stronger, you'll die. When she does something like that, yeah. he's got that look on his face. And she's crazy. Quite clever way of using all the glass and uh, shapes as a maze. He's a black belt in quite a few martial arts, he was these snipes. Oh yeah. I still love him in Demolition Man. <laughs> He's quality I in that. I love him in that film. Simon says, die. He's just yeah. punching him, he's just looking at him. <laughs> you can't admit, Whistler is so cool. He is. <laughs> Thing is, where he was, he was in a really good position because they can only approach him one on one. Yeah. I'm avoiding paying my taxes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Abandoned on its 13th, 11th Street. 
Right, let's see. What else is connected to Blade? So, related to Blade, Blade 2, Blade House of the series, I'm just going to call it that, <laughs> Blade Trinity, awful, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Resident Evil, Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is awful. Resident Evil Extinction. You see, I'm not being funny. I'd be ashamed to put some of these movies in with this. Resident Evil Apocalypse. We went to the pictures to see that. Yes. Nemesis has never looked so poor. Stars. Um, then weirdly, the mummy, the mummy returns, the scorpion king. <laughs> okay. Um, underworld. Oh, I can um, see underworld. Yeah, it makes sense. It? Underworld awakening, underworld evolution, and underworld rise of the lichens. Okay, out of the underworld films, from a Metacritic score out of 100 of the four Underworld films which do you think has got the highest rating so Underworld 1, 2, 3 or 4 2 no 4 4 yeah the one without Kate Beckinsdale in it <laughs> Rise of the Lycans has a score of 44 and then the last but not least Probably the, the one, one of the one films that Hugh Jackman wants to erase off his CV, Van Helsing. <laughs> so, pick a movie, mate. Where should we go from here? Find out what happens next. I don't know, because this is pre pretty, pretty much of a jump fest. Um... Go, go Resident Evil Apocalypse because I want to see what is related to that pile of junk. Resident Evil Apocalypse, by the way, is a higher Metacritic score than Resident Evil, the first one. Really? Yeah. So. Hey, you must remember that Jill Valentine's in this one, but she's just totally useless. Wow, it had a $45 million budget and worldwide gross was $128 million for that film. <laughs> right, so, connected to Resident Evil Apocalypse, Blade, 
Blade 2, Blade <laughs> Trinity, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Resident Evil, Resident Evil Afterlife, 3D, Resident Evil Extinction, Resident Evil Retribution, Resident Evil The Final Chapter, The Mummy Returns, Underworld, Underworld Awakening, Underworld Evolution, Underworld Rise of Lycans and Van Helsing. Wicked. It's not lead to a good place. So, in the final chapter, Resident Evil, the final chapter, Claire Redfield is back. That's the only one from the games, it looks like. So Chris this time. More importantly, Wesker is back. <coughs> Wesker. I mean, let's be honest. If you were going to... They're saying that this is the last one. And I hope that it is based on the current version of it. Because I'd much rather see it done properly. <coughs> well, apparently, wasn't it? <laughs> Romero wrote one. And it was supposed to be absolutely phenomenal, but they canned it for that steaming pile of. So I think. It, it, it's very easy to build the series up because you'd start and why wouldn't you start with the haunted mansion mm. because it just would make the most amount of sense because it gives you the tight enclosed spaces it gives you the idea of threat you don't need lots and lots of zombies because the idea being that the threat could be anything around any corner yeah and I kind of like the idea that something's gone wrong and they've gone to investigate it and you have the stars team doing that but that's the thing isn't it because <clears throat> you could they were like movies in themselves they've got great storylines to yeah. them yeah you'd need to alter a little bit to make it work well because otherwise it'd be a bit boring but yeah I agree I think you could do it pretty in a pretty straightforward manner you wouldn't need to think yeah because you'd start with the original wouldn't you storyline yeah, and I mean, the thing is, I know people who play the games would know how it panned out, but obviously you've got a few twists in there. Yeah, you wouldn't have to do everything that's in the game either. No. Like, Barry Burton. You wouldn't have the, there's no need for the giant creatures that appear. Keep it simple. Keep it focused purely on... 
the zombie threat and any other unknown variables and alright you could probably keep the last boss who was just an in a bigger zombie more than anything else yeah but I suppose you could do that quite cleverly couldn't you because you could obviously maybe show a sort of a progression of the mutation yeah so you could see that he's become a little bit more yeah and I mean you could probably have a character where it's just like a scientist or wherever it is and you see his level of infection growing until he becomes tyrant yeah that would that, that to me and then it, it builds up quite nice to them because the end is well we've stopped this event happening here <clears throat> but what the hell else is going on see I think you could end it quite cleverly by sort of ending it where because I think they get on a train didn't they yeah. And they're leaving. And then what you could do is you could just have like the stuff that's going in on in the city. Yeah. And then you could just hear that thing. Voice over over the radio. You could go I need help. This, this is Leon. Yeah. And you can do it from there, which would be quite clever. I love the fact that the bus driver is not willing to stop. Speed up! Come on! <laughs> but I, I like that setup. I like the idea of it leading into yeah. Resident Evil 2. Because, I mean, you could end Resident Evil 2. But what you could do, and what the way I would do it, is I would intersperse Chris and Jill making their way back into the city only fleeting bits it doesn't have to be lots yeah. of it just fleeting bits but focus probably more on Jill and making her way back into the city and then it could lead into Resident Evil 3 and in the meantime your main protagonists are Claire and Leon but rather than have him separate they work together all the time nice place yeah I mean you could get them to split up a bit yeah, yeah, occasionally, yeah. Because, I mean, you could probably... You could probably do the split-up from the start where, obviously, they're on the opposite sides of the car. Where it's all yeah. blown up. And you say, right, I'm here, you're here, we'll meet here. And then you could have, like, a 30-minute thing and then they meet up to finish everything else off. Well, what you could do <clears> to keep the tension up is they talk to each other over the radio all the time. Yeah. Because... Leon to hide his own fear because he would be afraid he's only a rookie cop and of course you'd be afraid <laughs> that'd be a great first day on the job <laughs> yeah but also to try and help 
Claire stay focused on what she's got to try and do. Oh, blades come back, you know, something's not quite right. So, this is obviously an interesting mix because we hear off screen the death of Whistler. We don't see it other than a slumped hand. And yet, He's back in the second one, and it's just a bit. I guess it was one of those things where they shouldn't they shouldn't have really put him in this position in the first place. I suppose. <clears throat> thing is, you kind of struggle, don't you? When when you're making a film, you want a great story, and this is quite a clever part of the story yeah because I mean they, they're forcing Blade's hand yeah but once the move is out and it's a hit you're then stuck because obviously you've killed off one of your main characters yeah so you've got to find a way of bringing them back I think that's probably one of the things I like about sequel is the blood pack. I like that team of vampires because they're all quite different. what I love about that gun it's absolutely huge but when you look at the calibre size of the hole which the bullet comes out of it's tiny well it's a Mac 10 isn't it with a bit of stuff <laughs> built around the side of it because both they're not good I find that a bit weird why did Blade let him have a gun that he knows is particularly useful why don't you just give him like a pea shooter something that he knows is going to do some damage to him but is not going to be particularly useful Yes, the blue serum. I think he's one of the good comic book baddies as well, because he's the right level of ham. <laughs> you know, he's choose the scenery in a good in a, to a good level. So you can tell he's having a lot of fun, but at the same time, he's not gone 
nudge, nudge, wink, wink at the camera at the same time. Do you reckon he's had his teeth capped? Yeah. Because they don't look, don't look real, do they? No. No, a bit too far forward. Yeah. Shut the fuck up! One guy on No, it's one guy on a motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> See, once again, no one's thinking about the henchman. We're just going to mess. And what about the cleaners? Because they're killing all these people. They're blowing up all this glass. What are the cleaners going to do? No. I mean, let's be honest. I know he's hunting vampires, but he kills everybody so mercilessly. He's basically a serial killer. Not anymore. Drink an hour on minimum wage. I think so. They needed a job. So tell you what, this reminds me of a little bit as well. Raid two. Yeah, the the hammer fight. Yeah, because it's it's the hammer and it's also the uh, steel or aluminium baseball bat. <laughs> Properly brutal. Eco uh, Uras is a very very talented martial artist. And Pancat. Is it Pancat Silla? Is that right? I don't know how you pronounce half these names, mate. But it looks like it's a martial art that is a mixture of several others. Very much mixed martial arts in style. Yeah, it's like I was discussing with Sarah the other day. When you look at it, most martial arts you got with, with some exceptions so obviously you've got karate yeah it's not far removed from taekwondo it's not far removed from kung fu although there's a lot more fluidity to kung fu it's not far removed from kickboxing then you've got judo jiu-jitsu you've got aikido a lot of them Really and truthfully, they're just mixtures of each other. And a lot of it, I mean, you look at it, you got one, you got a front kick, it'd be called a Megari in another style. Yeah. You got roundhouse kick, hook kick, spinning hook kick, and all sorts of stuff like that. It's just basically all the same. So I went, but I'd say. A lot more of the Korean ones, they're a little bit more brutal I'd say, because they are, they do a lot more damaging stuff, um, and also like Krav Maga, Israeli one, that I mean it's basically designed to put you down. Well that's the whole point of it isn't it, it's close quarter combat, Yeah. it's, it's, it's hyper efficient, it's not, you're not meant to have particularly long fights with Krav Maga are you supposed no. to disarm and disable as fast as possible it's like um, 
a lot of the military special forces. They won't. They'll do their own version of close quarter combat. And with the idea being, you, a sol the difference between a soldier and one of these mixed martial artists is, the soldiers trained to do one thing, that's survive at all yeah. costs. So they'll do whatever it takes to win. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you watch. I mean, if you watch Jack Reacher, but if you read the books, he is brutal. I remember, I remember um, you telling me, before I started reading them, I've not read as many as, I think you've read quite a few, but I've only read two. Well, I might have read three. I remember you saying to me, one of the first things you read and you loved about Reacher is the fact that he says, one thing you never do in a fight never use your hands because your hands are brittle and they break really easily so instead use things like your elbows <laughs> yeah or the front part of your skull because it's super tough so that's the whole point and he, he does as as you probably know better than me lots of knee strikes lots and lots of elbows lots of headbutts but he's not afraid to do whatever it takes to win yeah i mean it's like everything i mean you eventually you have to punch but you have to pick the punches but one thing I liked about him it was just like in one book I read he takes on he gets in a fight and he's looking at these guys and he's thinking they're like American football players they are big they will damage me so what he does is he takes them out quite quick and then he's getting back in the car and then he thinks to himself well I haven't really taken him out fully so if I don't take him out fully now yeah. they're going to come back later so he gets a wrench and he breaks their hands so that they can't come back later which is brutal but it is effective. In, a, in a way for me it's like that scene in Ender's Game yeah You'd won the fight. Why did you keep kicking him when he was on the floor? Well, because there were two fights. There was the fight there and then, which I won. And then there was the fight that he had to realise, don't mess with me, because if you mess with me, yeah. you're going to get it again. So I finished that fight before it even started. Now he knows not to mess with me. I love Deacon's right hand man. He's such a tall. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to think who's the actress that played Blade's mother? She looks familiar. Contagion, which is a proper messed up movie. Seen Contagion before? No. Any good? <laughs> it's not brilliant. The premise is quite clever. It's just about how something like bird flu or something equivalent could be transmitted very easily around the world. Uh, 
the influence of money. No, because there's a ex-boyfriend down there. Damn, is that you? Yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't um, transform properly, does he? See, I find that really creepy that his mum's giving him eyes. It's not really his mum anymore, though, is it? Not really, but it's still creepy. Oh, it's weird as hell. But that's why I try to think of it myself, so it doesn't seem weird. I find it weird that they've got these caskets already available with built-in leather straps. Apparently it's part of the prophecy. Guess what Sarah's watching? Death warrant. Death warrant? No way. Wicked. <laughs> Talking about death warrant and death warrants. <laughs> death warrant. It is one really weird movie. Properly, properly strange. I'm not entirely sure whether that's in a good way either. I think it's one of those things. It's it's not like I think it's one of those sorts of films. I think because it's got quite a lot of low grade actors in it, that's yeah. what makes it bad. Yeah. You know, it, it's got a bit of an interesting premise, but. I mean, it's like a few few other films that you watch. You think, oh, this, I really like the story. Pity they couldn't have got some, you know. Not necessarily... I, I think sometimes when you look at films, it might not necessarily be that they got the wrong actors. It's just... Slight miscasting, i.e. Yeah. You've got someone who's... Probably would be the right actor for the job if they were five years younger five years older well it it's, it's goes back to like the classic people who were cast and then were later cut out so the classic one of all is Eric Stoltz where they'd started filming him as Martin McFly in Back to the Future and they realised he just wasn't right Yeah. and they went back and got Michael J Fox who they wanted in the first place they made deals and they ended up sh he ended up basically working 24 hours a day because he was in this popular American TV show at the time but
See, I could see this version of Blade fitting easily into the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah. Easy. And it's at times like this you want Daredevil. You want the Punisher. You want Luke Cage to be in that sort of environment. And Jessica Jones, of course, who's probably the most sarcastic person in the Marvel Universe. Even more sarcastic than Spider-Man and Tony Stark combined. We've been around for like thousands of years. So Blade basically has been bled dry. Apparently I watched a really, really good film. I recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment. Calvary. Yeah, a friend of mine watched that. So this is proper depressing now. <laughs> it's really, really interesting. I, I kind of... It has got a dark finish to it. Um, but it is a really good film with some amazingly rich dialogue. Brendan Gleeson plays this priest who is, life is threatened at the start of the film. Not because he's a bad priest or he's done anything, it's because he's a good priest and because people take more notice if a good priest is killed rather than a bad priest. And it just goes from there. And what it basically plays like is the small town to me, it was much more that he was... Brendan Gleeson's character basically is Jesus and he's been tempted by all these things that are going on. He could run away, da-da-da-da-da. But he stays and he faces up to what's about to happen. And he doesn't get crucified, but something happens... really really good film but the dialogue as you can imagine it's from the same guy who did um, In Bruges so you know that dialogue is brilliant what I don't quite get is so they're getting uh, Blade's blood onto their forehead so Yeah, but the prophecy's already going to fail. Because she killed one of them dudes. Yeah. So there's a space missing. I'm not quite sure why Frost needed his shirt ripped open. Well, because we're going to do the Honest Trailers. Abs. Abs. 
great CGI blood there. <laughs> exactly. Which is why they scrapped the original end, wasn't it? Because he was supposed to turn into a big CGI monster. But because it didn't look very good, they scrapped it, which probably is some advice that a lot of other people should take. Let the actor do the work. Don't always get the CGI to do it. Yeah, it's not the best CGI now. It's dated. He looks really pissed. <laughs> as, you, as you'd expect. Lightning that does the trick. See, you you originally thought that well, Deacon being half vampire, Blood God wouldn't—he wouldn't be able to contain the power. No, exactly. But yeah, it doesn't help when they kill quite a few of the originals. with a K. Serious. He's got CGI red eyes. He zipped that jacket up when I was dropping through the air. I got nice. two new hand plates. I don't know which one to 
<laughs> and this has got one of the weirdest yet genius payoff lines of all time. Dude, he kicks him in the face twice, knocks him out. The next dude that comes along, he rips his throat out. I mean, 90% of them are just getting knocked out. Well, it's it's the roadhouse manoeuvre, isn't it? <laughs> that suffers when you use garlic mace. <laughs> I will say this. Oh, that's nasty. He has got a. He makes this front kick, which is probably one of the most simple moves to learn, look exceptionally badass. Frost get his sword from. <laughs> First thing, if you're Blade, surely you'd notice that his eyes have gone a bit weird, so perhaps uh, needs to rethink strategy. I don't quite get why did his arm dissolve. This might be one of those things, it's a small piece so uh, you can regenerate a whole hand. Yeah. Uh, Ha <laughs> 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 
Yeah, Raven is definitely based on Blade. Definitely. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, he just missed his junk. <laughs> what does that even mean? I love this one as well. This finish is wicked. <laughs> Strain the sweet. <laughs> Maybe that's how Pearl got I love to be. It, I love it, I love it, I love it. That's how Pearl got to be that big. Got injected with some of that. Being yeah. quite killer. I just find it's a bit weird that she's not in the second one. Yeah. But Jack Black is. Not Jack Black. It's um, the guy who is also the fan favourite in Walking Dead, isn't it? Daryl. Norman Reedus. Yeah. I'm sure it's Norman Reedus who plays his uh, sidekick. Yeah, Norman Reedus is good. <laughs> Great name, isn't it? Scud. They've got, yeah, Donnie Yen's in it as well. I've got Donnie Yen was in it. Need or will enjoy. Blade, what would you give it out of uh, 10, mate? Yeah. Gonna go with an 8. Yeah. Because there are, I think, I think although 
Like you said, it's slightly early. I think there are a couple of little flaws in it, in the story, in the plot. But for action, comedy, and choreography, and Wesley Snipes' Blade, it's a good eight. What yeah, do you give it, mate? I, I would uh, give it an eight too. I think time hasn't been as kind as you'd like. I think that's probably because it was doing a lot of cutting edge stuff with the effects without having the budget to make them look as strong as possible. Um, but yeah, I still think it holds up. I think it's fun. It's a great B movie. Thought you so. I think it's one of those you could actually see it fitting in. Yeah. Straight into the universe, straight as is. But I think Blade 2 would struggle because I don't think Blade 2 fits into that universe the way it's set up at the moment I think no. it's just too different <coughs> but this one would very easily right so uh, this brings this episode to an end and um, we'll speak to you again soon goodbye goodbye <laughs>